always make excuses. Um, and you know, with something like flamenco, it's like, oh, I wish I had started sooner, you know? And I think that's with anything that you want mastery in. Um, and you just envy all those kids that get to start at a young age and have no hesitation, no fear. Um, you can always wish that you started sooner. Who folks, and welcome to the In Search of Adventure show. I'm your host, Peter D, and I'm coming to you from the Adventure Club Room, where we reignite your curiosity for an extraordinary life, making sure you have all the skills in place to take back control of your own story. This episode, our action hero guest, Nicole Baldinu, dipped her toe in a new hobby flamenco dancing and unearthed the passion for it that ended up taking her all the way to Spain. Now, hobbies may not seem like big adventures to most of us, but they're often something that we've been curious about for a long time. And these hobbies can make up a huge part of living life like a real action hero. In fact, flamenco dancing has been a dream of mine for ages. So I say, let's get on with the adventure. excited to welcome Nicole to the show. Thank you for, for coming and joining us, Nicole. Oh, thank you, Peter. Now, we met late last year uh, at the We Are Podcast Conference in Brisbane, Australia, which was super fun and a really cool clique of people. And oh, I love that conference, yeah. Yeah, really. I love it when things are a bit smaller and more intimate and we get to actually meet, which we did. Uh, and we sort of did the socials thing afterwards and shared handles and, and the reason... I ended up reaching out to you for the podcast was I saw this glorious photo of you holding some flowers standing with Omar and I think maybe some family members having done flamenco, uh, which really piqued my interest. So tell me when you first became aware of the thing that is flamenco. Like, is this something that's recent or have you always been involved or wanted to? Yeah, no, I think that it's been um, the first time I would have had the idea was, I think I was about 20 years old. Okay. It was a very long time ago and it was a good, uh, you know, five, six years before I actually even took my first class. Uh, we saw a show, there was a rendition of uh, Carmen, the opera, but it wasn't like an operatic version. It was more like a... I want to say like a musical. I don't remember too much about it, but I do remember the, that there was flamenco um, scenes and dancing um, as part of obviously the, the performance. And I was just like, oh, I've never seen that. I want to do that. Yeah. Uh, and it's just kind of, and I just thought, forgot about it after that. Um, but, it, you know, the performance itself wasn't, I don't remember the show itself being, I've seen amazing uh, performances of Carmen, um, but that performance itself wasn't brilliant, but the flamenco definitely stood out. That's what I remembered from that show. And it, and it is one of those, um, having seen flamenco in Seville, so in Spain, it's a very different performance type. 
of any of them in the world. There is a level of emotion in that particular type of dance that is, you just don't see it in anything else. Um, the fact there aren't fist fights at the end of some of the flamenco numbers <laughs> because it's that intense, right? There's just this level of, of um, intensity and commitment in the way they dance. So I can imagine, is, so do you remember what caught your eye? Was, that, was it that level of passion? Was it something about the intensity of it that caught your eye? Yeah, definitely the the drama that mm. is involved in the dance. Like it is yeah. all, it's it's more than just the dance. I feel with the story. Before, there'll be other dancers, um, other dancers with you know within other styles that will say the same thing. And I'm just going to exclusively talk about the you know my humble experience and what I know about flamenco. But I do feel there's this uh, dramatic. Uh, intensity to it that is almost like what you'd see in a in a state in a play in, a, in that yeah. storytelling that um that goes beyond just the movements and the music and you know the smiles and the ex yeah. facial expressions i feel like there's much more storytelling that happens um that is t that tends to be quite heavier quite more filled with tension i think that's <laughs> what draws a lot of people to maybe flamenco and and yeah. maybe doesn't draw someone else to it if they don't like that intensity and drama. yes yes definitely and i think the thing i noticed about flamenco and there's a couple of other performance types there's some japanese dancing that is similar where they use silence or, or a lack of movement as something too so there's so everything has a purpose and, an, and a meaning um yeah, whereas exactly. somebody who did you know 20 years of tap dancing or, or and jazz then yes, we're performing, but there's not quite, it doesn't have almost this symphony approach where every instrument has a, has a purpose, you know, whereas flamenco seems to to me, like they're just every, every movement of your fingers, of your head, of the angle of the head, like all of it is thought about. It's, it's, there's nothing flippant about. Exactly. You know? Yes, exactly. And that's what makes it so hard. Nothing is left to chance and you, you can't just let even the minute details go. Um, so everything will be will be observed that's what makes it so difficult if you do get an opportunity to perform you just will never feel like you'd ever be good enough because you just feel like that there's just so much to it um and there's such a high expectation that you put on yourself as well um to reach you know what you think is like okay that that was good enough that was that was good because there is a weight of history here too right i mean this is not a brought out in the 90s, like tap dancing is um, something that's sort of, uh, I mean, sure, it might have nearly 100 years in it, but that's all. Whereas, you know, Flamenco has this weight of history to it. Um, and I, I can imagine there's almost a, some sort of responsibility that goes with that. You know, we, we don't want to disrespect all of that history and all of that meaning, you know, when you're learning something like this. Um, and is that, so you mentioned that you saw the show and like, that's interesting. Like lots of us, um, because you're always sort of, oh, I want to learn that. Yeah. Um, do you, was there anything specifically that you think over time stopped you just from going, you know what, I'm just going to go to a class? Like, do you remember thinking what made you hesitate from just acting on that interest? Mm, I, I think at that stage, I think just life gets in the way. Yeah. Uh, you just get busy. You just, you, you tend to put these things off. Um, I can't remember if there's anything in particular, but you know, I think that's, it's important to be aware of that because um, it, it can stop you from, from picking up hobbies, which give you so much value in your life. And it's so easy. And then at the same time, it's so easy to, to put, to put that off and it is, say, I'll do that later. I can always start that another time. 
um, not yeah. now, now's not the right time. We'll always make excuses. Um, and you know, with something like flamenco, it's like, oh, I wish I had started sooner, you know, and I think that's with anything that you want mastery in. Um, and you just envy all those kids that get to start at a young age and have no hesitation, no fear. Um, you can always wish that you started sooner. Yeah. It's, and isn't that interesting? So I always picture that on the ski fields, like, you know, those rat bag six-year-olds that don't even have the sticks and they're just flying down the hill with their helmet on. <laughs> it's like, I learned, well, didn't really learn, but I tried at age 20 something. And it's like, I wish I was that person. How interesting that approach and fearlessness could apply to something like, like learning. It's the same thing, isn't it? As a kid, we're just like, yeah, dive in, you know? Yeah. And just that, that's a good example to a good parallel with with skiing because yes they're fearless and you know the drop is less if they fall <laughs> i always think of that the risk of injury is so much less but um the lack of like self-awareness and being not being self-conscious um and i think that grows over time and as you get older absolutely um, yeah. your awareness of the possibility and i yeah your awareness of what people might think and i i put learning a new skill that is a performance skill. So flamenco, um, singing, the drums, like anything that, even if you never intend to perform, the mere fact that it is, I think causes lots of us to hesitate because it's like, oh, I'm going to be so bad at this. Like, yeah, or what, what's the point? Why even do it? What's yeah. the point if I'm not going to get there? Um, or if that's not the end goal, which is, it's sad because you're missing out on just the joy of the journey and the whole process of it. If you just focused on like what the end result. And I've had to learn that over time with flamenco because there are so many times you want to give up. Yeah. Um, and I have to just constantly remind myself it's not about the end result. Um, and I think that's just a, a life lesson with any, anything that we're learning or anything that we're trying to do. Um, really the focus should be on the process and the journey. That's where the, the joy is. Otherwise, if you just get hung up on the end result, you're just going to give up. Absolutely. And I think it applies so much to any of our dreams. It's, it's the adventure is the point, not, not where you get to. It's simply not, you know. It's easy to hear that though. And you, you can't understand it, but to really internalize it, um, especially when you want to really do well or when you have like, uh, when you set yourself up to like, I want to achieve, I want to have success in this. I want to see results. Um, you've really got to keep reminding yourself of the fact that it is a process and the adventure yeah. is part of the fun. Yeah. And I think it's, it's like you're saying, being real with yourself. So, you know, if you were thinking about, okay, I'm going to go to my first class, it's saying to yourself, are you really afraid of a class of people learning from me. Like, are you really afraid of that? Are you honestly going to say that? And so admitting to yourself, yeah, okay, dude, that's stupid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what? I shouldn't be afraid of that. That's ridiculous. Um, yeah. So it's, but it's honestly owning the fact that that's really how you're reacting. You really are. It's fear, you know? And, yeah. and sometimes I think we use, I, I know I have actually with Flamenco, I've used excuses that are, look, do I, what clothes would I wear? Do I need shoes that are particular? Like I come up with all these reasons that I can't start. Um, knowing full well, I've tap danced, tap danced in socks and shorts. <laughs> and shit. So if I can do tap dancing without the Flamenco, I'm sure I can do you know? Yeah, hopefully by the end of this, we can convince you to get to that first class. Well, and you know what, actually, given my background, 
then it's actually a little silly that I haven't because they're very similar. Um, mm. you know, the understanding of what your feet can do and the rhythms they can make. Uh, I would have. As an instrument. Like right, like exactly. So, so to, to have that as a leg up, it's got to help, you know. So, yeah. Um, so what are you waiting for, Peter? <laughs> I'm going to look right now. So tell me about the first class. Did you, did you have that fear about, well, do I need a special skirt or do I need, like, was there that barrier or did they make that easier for you? I didn't have obviously the proper shoes. Um, I had like a pair of like character shoes. Yeah. I kind of just thought, okay, let me just at least go and try the first class without any of the, of the gear. And if I like it, then I will, you know, invest and buy the shoes and, you know, get a skirt and all of that. Cause you have, there, there are certain things you need so that you can do the, um, you know, the, the, the working class. Um, so yeah, pretty soon after that first class, um, I just, yeah, ordered. And I remember there was, there's no, you can't buy shoes here in Sydney. So you have to order them from Spain. So I remember placing that first order and waiting like six weeks or even more eight weeks for those shoes to arrive. Uh, and when they did, it was like, you know, the most exciting thing ever. Um, and yeah, and then slowly you just build up and you get, you know, you buy your skirt and you buy, and it's exciting. Um, but at the beginning, like you have no idea at the beginning, I think it's always, it's a lot easier. I think it gets harder. The more, you know, I mean, everybody knows this, the more, you know, the more you realize you don't know. Yeah. And I think the more you progress in anything, you realize, wow, I still have so much to go. I think in the beginning, you're just blissfully ignorant. It's like, yeah, this will be fun. This will be easy. Okay. No worries. I got this. I can do this. Yeah. And then over time you realize, wow, there's so much complexity to it. And something like flamenco, even you, when you, you know, you hear very accomplished people talk about how hard it is for them you realize what chance do I have <laughs> at the beginning of the journey, right? But you can't let that deter you because once you have, you fall in love with something and I think with something like flamenco, once you start, once it's in you, it's really hard to, to abandon completely. Yeah. It's like this weird thing and I talk to other dancers, no matter, you know, the struggles, the crying, the ups and downs, I hate it now, I can't do it, oh, I'm not progressing, I'm plateauing. You always find yourself coming back to it. And it's just something that is common amongst, you know, all people that, that love flamenco. We just yeah. keep coming back to it. It's like this, you know, desire for this punishment or something. Masochistic <laughs> <laughs> me. Yeah, it's weird. It's really because weird. Because it is more than the, the dance itself. I mean, the music, it, the music alone is powerful, you know, so I can, I can imagine that lulling you in too. You don't have to hear that somewhere. You'd be at a restaurant or something, hear that type of music and you're like, <laughs> yeah it does it can put you in a trance it's crazy right. and then there's a the complexity to it it doesn't work like other you know regular rhythms you know there's the rhythms are, are more complex than what we're used to um so learning that is like just half the battle even <laughs> you know even, and the majority of it let alone all the moves and the technique and then the confidence and all yeah. the rest that comes is like, oh, now that I'm saying this, why am I still here? <laughs> doing it. Would you say that if you, would you recommend that people started with a friend? Is that the sort of thing? Or do you think this is one of those individual adventures? Oh, that's interesting. I started with a friend, which was, um, which was actually fun. I liked yeah. that. So that, that was my experience. Obviously what draws me now to the, to flamenco and keeps me there is the community. So yeah. definitely you will make friends and it's just a great way to meet like-minded people. We all know that through shared activities, you'll, um, you know, you'll make lifelong friends. Um, so 
if, if just getting, if that's going to stop you from going, then yeah, I would hope that you could just go on your own and just do it on your own. But um, it's, it's a bonus if you do go with a friend, definitely. Yeah, and it can take, I think, the um, shared amusement at your own incompetence sometimes can get you through the oh, early yeah. stages of things. You know, it's like going bowling. Like, it's just like, as long as I'm with friends that can laugh with me, it's all good. You know? Exactly. <laughs> and then you practice after or you go through yeah. things after with with a friend. Um, so there's definitely, a, yeah, definitely a lot of pluses to going with someone. And I think, you know, the, the focus on each other then takes it away from being feeling like potentially people are looking at you. I know that that can be, for some people, that's a real barrier about going to something on their own, particularly a class. Oh, but everybody's going to watch and see how bad I am. And as, as a, well, previously a dancer, I know nobody is looking at you. That's real. I mean, you learn that soon on. You just don't have time to look at anybody no. else. You just got to focus. If you, as soon as you start looking at something, you've lost it. You've, you know, what are we up to now? Just not to stack it, you know. Like, just try. <laughs> I'm not looking at you. I just don't want a face plan in the middle of this class. Absolutely. And it's interesting too, I think um, there's certain skills where I think we benchmark mastery because it's the only thing we've seen. So we've never seen anything between nothing effectively or beginner and master. So the opera singing, we've never seen a mid-range opera singer. So we expect that, you know, it's there's other things like language. So learning a language, I think we all sort of understand that that's gradual and you get a bit better and, you know, like I think we we don't expect as much of ourselves, but there's just some of these things where if I'm not like them straight away, I must be hopeless, you know? Yes. It's really interesting. And performance particularly something as nuanced as flamenco, you know, I mean, they're training, the people that do this all the time are training all the time. So they recognize. their full-time job. (laughs) Right. So they recognize it's something that needs work that much. So to understand that and to try and understand what progress looks like, um, Mm. that's what's hard, isn't it? That's what's hard to sort of not just expect too much. Exactly. And just always thinking like, if I'm, if I'm just better than I was yesterday and last week, like just focusing on that is, you know, a good way to just see, um, or sometimes jumping into a lower level class, which is great. Like sometimes I have to do a makeup class and, you know, I'm, I still consider myself at the beginning of of a journey. And yet when I jump into a beginner's class, I'm like, Oh, wow. Yeah. I know so much more and it's just, and it's so, and it's so much fun to see um, people at the beginning stages because you know how much, the, how much, um, how much scope there is still to go. Yes. Uh, there's all these beautiful times in, in different stages of learning something that they all have their benefits. You know, at the beginning Correct. it is, maybe there's not none of that frustration that we talked about <laughs> as you move further along. Um, but then when you move further along and you see a beginner, it's like, oh, I'm glad I'm not there again. <laughs> <laughs> but the other thing I think that's interesting when we learn a physical skill is you're not actually just learning how to do it yourself. You are learning how to see it in others. And so um, it will enhance. So if you go to a performance now, it enhances that performance for you because you value the skill you are seeing. And yeah. I notice that a lot with dancing. So when I go to a show, I'll be standing up and applauding something. Some of the audience don't even really notice it's a big deal. And I'm like, do you not get that was like one in a minute, like there's one dancer in the world that can do that. Well, yeah. Why aren't you screaming? Like, why? You know? So I think that- Show some appreciation, people. Exactly, this is hard. <laughs> so I think there's, there's more than just our own skill. You're going to be able to see more and enjoy more because of what you're learning. And that's really cool. Yes. Really cool. 
So have you been over to Spain to, to watch some flamenco over there? Oh, yeah. I mean, def when I first started, the funny thing was that when I first started here in Sydney, um, I did only about nine months and then I moved overseas. And it was interesting because one of the, I was excited to move overseas, but one of the things was like, oh, what am I going to do about flamenco? Uh, so already then I felt this really great attachment to it because as exciting as it was to finally move overseas and work overseas, I was like, what, uh, what if I can't find flamenco? And in fact, I, I didn't, I moved to Dubai. There was no flamenco for the first uh, year that I was there before, you know, it's such a niche yeah. dance form. And yeah. it's, it's so, so niche. When you're in the world of flamenco, you think, Oh my God, everyone's doing it. When you step out, you realize no, it's no. a small percentage of the world that didn't even know what it is. And you know, obviously you do, and you didn't call it flamingo. Um, <laughs> and so really 99% of the world are calling it flamingo. Um, <laughs> that's fine. Which is that's hysterical fine. given how <laughs> awkward looking that bird is. It got worse. That's beyond our we, we forgive them for you know they, they know not what they do <laughs> and so i and then eventually i did you know after a year some teachers came so i kept it up but you know it wasn't as i didn't feel like i was getting well i would then travel to spain i then started traveling to spain when i was on, on i was a teacher oh, this is before you know, starting um, our businesses. So yeah. I was, this is when I was teaching still. Um, so I'd travel in the summer holidays. I'd go and do workshops. I kept, literally, I would only go to Spain every summer so that I could do workshops. Um, so that I really was invested really early on in, in the journey to just continuously, you know, learn. And it was great to get different styles, um, see different, you know, approaches and then learn from different people. Um, and then, and then I moved from Dubai to the States and it was easy in New York. I kept it going sure. there. Yeah, yeah. New York is New York. Obviously yeah. you're going to have access to these, um, to all sorts of things. And then after two years in New York, I moved to San Diego and that's when I had a break. Okay. Um, so we're talking now like it's been six years, eight years, the last yet, that was the last two years or 10 years into it. I'd have a break. Um, until I finally moved back to, to Australia. And then, so for the last two years, um, I've n now stuck and found, you know, a studio, a teacher who I consider, you know, the style that I want to learn yeah. and the person that I want to learn from, which in a way, like I'd wish I had that from the very beginning, that consistency yeah. and that, that mentorship. And so in a way, I almost felt like I went back to the beginning just two years ago, even yeah. having been on the journey after 10 years. So it's crazy, right? Um, but here I am. Still well, alive. And it was actually going to be one of my questions. So their, um, you know, mentors or gurus can play a really interesting role. And it sounds like sometimes people find that really early and it's almost what nudges them into keeping it going, you know, or whatever they're interested in, whereas it sounds like it's almost refined you know, your adventure for you, you know, it's somebody you found that, okay, this is exactly the right type of person and, and almost, you know, you, I want to be there. This is, this is a person that I can look up to or, or emulate. Um, and it probably means I'd imagine you're unlearning a little bit and relearning. Is that the case? Oh, definitely. Definitely. You know, mm. being corrected. I mean, times Diana's told me that is, you know, obviously understanding I've had to unlearn a lot of habits that I picked up, whether it's because I didn't have the consistency or whether it's because, um, you know, I just 
pick things up on my own. And now obviously when you do work with a mentor, you're learning from them and they have a very specific style and they, um, and so, yes, I've had to definitely unlearn a lot of things. Yeah. And that's harder than learning to begin with. It is. I think it's harder than obviously, and I think, you know, everybody recognizes that it's, it's harder than actually learning it from the first time. Yeah. And so am I right? Your background's Italian. Yes. So was there any, you know, family and friends going, really? So did you have some Spanish in your, like, did they ever question why you were spending all this time doing flamenco? Did they ever have any, any quizzical brows or any questions from friends and family? Yeah, I think, you know, the, the level of obsession that you get with flamenco becomes really tiring for people around you. (laughs) (laughs) It's just one of those things. So it's like, what you, you want to talk to me about flamenco? Sure. (laughs) This is a rare opportunity unless you're talking to your, you know, your classmates and and into flamenco. No one else really wants to hear it as much as you're prepared to sit there and talk for hours about it. Um, So yeah, I think people, uh, family was just like, uh, but I don't know. It's kind of, um, I I did feel their support. I did feel like, you know, that they they were supportive of it, but just, you know, oftentimes it would be like, okay, enough about flamenco now. (laughs) We get it. We get it. You like it. We get it. You've got to cancel plans because you're going to flamenco. Okay, fine. Because um, yeah. you do, you end up like can't, changing your life and, and um, you know, your life kind of starts to re- revolve around it, which is crazy for something that is, people see it as a hobby, but yes. I don't know, you feel like you want a little bit more than just a hobby in it. Well, and I think it's not that, to me, it's not that flamenco is what will do that, you know, because some other people could start a class and go, that was fun. I did that for a year, but it's not for me. It's finding the thing that, like you said, you wish you'd been learning since you were five or six. It's literally would have been a part of you. Yeah. So I think you've just discovered one of those things that literally would have been a part of you from sort of the beginning, you know, and, and that therefore is why it's like, well, of course I'm going to cancel things to go. This is something I love. What do you What? You know, so exactly. I think, I think that's the magic is when you discover one of those things. And, and I have the reverse situation. So I stopped dancing a couple of years ago. You sort of, horribly grow up you know you it's, and I hesitate to say that I need to go back to tech classes because I really love them but mm. um I find it strange to me that my husband has never seen me dance because it was yeah. such a big part of growing I mean I spent hours a week from the age of five dancing, wow. right so so to it, it was a part of me so you know I get that I get that just becoming a part of the very fabric of your life it's, yeah. it's how it's another way you express yourself and it's another, it's another way to just participate in this life. You know, it's, it's the way that you're enjoying it. Um, yeah. So, so it sounds yeah. like you've just cotton onto that thing, you know, it's just, it's all you. I think so. Yeah. And it's just hard sometimes to, cause you do see it as like this other bucket of your life that, you know, is needs attention, needs constant filling of time, energy, devotion. Um, and then you balancing that with, you know, when you're not a professional, when it's not your profession, then you've got to balance it with whatever else, whether it's your day job, whether it's, you know, the business that you're building. Um, so that becomes really, really the challenge at the moment. And I think more so when I switched from a day job as a teacher when I really did feel like, okay, my career as a teacher is not really what I'm passionate about. Mm-hmm. Flamenco was number one. Now I've got these two competing sides of, you know, building our business and this thing that I still love that's still a part of my life and making those two work. Um, you know, yeah. some days I wish I had more energy than, than, you know, 
than I do. But. Yeah, well, and it's, as I also think it's that juggle is constant, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, we all have things in our list that we'd love to be doing, but I think what's really exciting about this is you have, you've really jumped in and gone, yes, I want to make this a part. And also there's been moments where you go, you know what, it's just not going to work right now. I can't do it. And yeah, so it didn't work in Diego. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. and that can work. What I love too is um, how, you know, because there's the hobby that's maybe the class is almost like it's an exercise class, right? So it, it can be at that level. But it sounds like you've, in learning something new, you've opened up new friendships, you know, new circles of people. And that's exciting because I think we can get stale. Not that our friends are stale, but our world can get stale. You know, and so to be meeting people from completely different backgrounds and interests due to something you do together is so exciting. Yeah, and it's honestly sometimes in those moments where I thought, oh, I'm, you know, this is just, maybe there's no point to this. I ha I'm going to give up because honestly, we've all had that. Yeah. Um, and I talked to other, you know, dancers who've had the same thing. And you honestly think about the people that are there that, you know, that are part of the community and you, and the new friends that you've made and, and that you continue to, you know, go and see shows with and hang out with that, um, are, as you say, are, and it's interesting you say they're interesting people because I've always been really fascinated by the actual people that are drawn to flamenco. Right. Um, I do feel like they're kind of a category onto this. There's a type. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, whether it's like you want to say it, they're type A personalities or just am, really ambitious, driven people, they, they tend to be very interesting people who have very interesting lives who actually put a lot on themselves, you know. They're, they're, they're not just coasting in, in, in their life. They're, yeah. they're doing, they're, whether they're studying or, work or, you know, have careers that are, that are really quite, you know, um, challenging and require them to be, you know, really switched on people are also super interested in this, in this art form. Yeah, that, isn't that so, interesting? I mean, that's just been my experience. I've always been really interested with the people that are actually drawn to flamenco. Um, and is it, I wonder whether because of the intensity of it, so it just isn't a, a toe in the water type of thing. There is an intensity to even, I'd imagine, even as a beginner, you're being encouraged to, immerse yourself in this intensity that that therefore repels as many as it attracts. I think so. I think it's really an, so, you know, I've met people that, you know, run their own business that, you know, uh, really high up on, uh, you know, on the career ladder and this, and they're still all in on flamenco. Like it's almost a profession. And yep. it's amazing to me to see that, to see that, you know, and they've got kids as well. Like I don't have children. I don't have, I just, I'm like, what? I'm floored. <laughs> you know, that able to actually manage all of this, you know, a family, a business or, you know, a high pressure career and flamenco. Like, wow. <laughs> and is there anything that it's sort of expanded so have you started to build a desire to learn spanish like is there anything like that that you sort of broadened the interest from the original movement part of it yeah at the same time i think i was learning i started learning from it i had already I, yeah i had an interest in definitely the spanish language and spanish culture i do think they're very um related i do think yeah. you have to be a fan and feel some sort of a connection and affinity and i think when you travel you know like oh this this place suits me i you know you feel more at home in one city or in one country and i've definitely always felt at home you know at, 
uh, yeah, maybe it's, you know, Italy and Spain are kind of, they're, but they're different, they're very different. You can't say, okay, it's a Latin kind of uh, culture, but um, I've definitely always had an affinity and to the language, to the culture. Mm-hmm. Um, so it definitely has opened that up. To the food. To the food. Yeah. It's hard to compete with Italian cuisine, though. That's true. Yeah, that's <laughs> no, true. I don't know it's if I was saying that Spanish cuisine is superior, but <laughs> yeah, you might get disowned. <laughs> exactly. I don't want to be excommunicated <laughs> now from the community. Exactly. Love Spanish food. Love it. Love all that garlic. <laughs> well, I think it's interesting to think about. Um, I remember hearing somebody say that often you're attracted to cultures or environments where you resonate with their crazy. And I think what they were saying was it's with whatever, however they demonstrate their passion. And I would argue in, in Spain, you know, flamenco is almost like a physical manifestation of their crazy or their passion. You know, it's a way that they've captured it all in one sort of thing to really express themselves. Um, yeah. And across years, it still is, feels relevant you don't feel like you're watching something out of date or, or that's caught in time. It feels really current for something that's been around as long as it has. That's true. I mean, it's definitely probably um, well, evolved um, and obviously open to interpretation as any art form mm. is, you know, when, when an artist, um, you know, interprets their, their own version. So I definitely do think it, it can it does feel like, yes, there's the stereotypes of the polka dots and the frilly dresses and yeah. the castanets and, um, and all that. But then, you know, when you're in the world, you, you, you know that, you know, there's so many more expressions and, and fusions and different flavors of flamenco. Um, so yeah, it does, it would feel very current and, and very contemporary because it, it is constantly evolving. And then it's up to you in flamenco. I think then that's where you find your mentor. It's, you know, you, you kind of, resonate with a person's style and yeah. um and you you know you kind of try and follow or emulate yeah. um, their version their interpretation of it and the thing is you're never going to be able to do that until you've got past that true beginner stage because you can't even discern those styles you just you're right. incapable of it if somebody said oh see that's a little different to that one that's a completely different style you're like they're still just waving their arms around the same <laughs> really <laughs> Maybe I'm not a beginner anymore. No, yeah, yeah, for sure. Definitely. Um, So, yeah, I think, and it's, um, yeah, it's an interesting progression to allow yourself. You know, I'd imagine some people just decide to do it for a while and enjoy that and may even hang around that sort of really beginner stage for some Mm. time because maybe it is more just like exercise in the community, you know, so it's it's a way to keep moving. Which is fine, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I think to open yourself up to what's more about something you're learning, I think that's when you're actually really hitting that next level. And that's where it becomes really torturous and painful. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, that, that when, you know, and that's, but that's when it becomes more rewarding as well because you're aware of any subtle improvements or any achievements, whether you do a student performance and all of a sudden you feel like, wow, I, can't believe I actually did that. I never thought I would be able to do that. Even if it is a student performance, um, you know, they're kind of little markers that show you, okay, there's, there's progress here. And then there's, I see light at the end of the tunnel. Right. I'm painting it like it's a joke, but I think you, I think you understand. Um, Definitely. And I think as somebody who has performed, um, that's a whole nother skill. 
So no matter what you're performing in. Uh, and I only realise now that that's the case now that I'm starting to do presenting. So that doing mm. keynote presentation is, is I had some feedback going, but Peter, you, you seem so natural on stage. I'm like, yeah, that'd be the 20 years of performances I did when I was a kid. You know, and so I sort of got over that a long time ago. Um, yeah, an awareness of an audience that it's not correct. just about you because when it's a hobby, it can just really be about you. But as soon as you take it to the level of a performance, it stops being about you. It yeah. starts to become about, you know, an experience for somebody else to yes. enjoy, to, you know, to commute like a dialogue as well, a conversation. Absolutely. You know, rather than a monologue, you know. Definitely. And the best performers, um, you could see them four nights you know, running and they would adjust the dynamic or the energy of the performance based on the crowd. Right. You know, and it can be a completely different experience. And yeah. some people say, well, that's because of the crowd. And it's like actually done well. It's because of the performer. They're responding to that. And like you say, it's a conversation, you know, and I think the uh, randomness of that can be pretty exciting, terrifying, um, terrifying. But, <laughs> but pretty exciting. When you pull that off and you're like, wow, I literally just had a conversation with a room of 50 people yeah. using movement and music. Like that's, there's something really magical about that. Because like once a year you're doing a performance, is that something that's still a big part of what you're doing in flamenco is it, or is it more now refining skill again? Oh, it's definitely more like just focused on, you know, getting better. But we did have with this uh, studio that I've joined here in, in Sydney, um, we did have a student performance at the end of um the year last year which was really exciting yeah. uh, lots of fun lots of mistakes we knew we, made. <laughs> we, we just it was just so nice to do that and be a part of the, the you know just our class being able to achieve that it felt it felt really great uh, it made it all worthwhile yeah. um and yeah in i mean in new york i remember doing a student performance when the year came to an end so it is really nice and i and i guess i would encourage people if they you know you're looking out if, to join a a studio or you know whatever hobby, to, if there is that opportunity, um, I definitely think it, it's it's important to have because it does force you to to take your you know to level up. It does force you to not be complacent and be comfortable. If you know if maybe you are just after, and then there's a lot of people that will um, be a part of the studio, but they don't then don't want to perform. That's fine. They're they're very clear on their purpose of just they're doing it for enjoyment, for exercise, or for whatever. But I think if you have a personal goal where you do want to strive to be better and and improve, then a show is terrifying. A performance is really terrifying. I'm they really are looking at you. It's the difference. Yeah. Uh, and now they're recording everything on phone. Yeah. So it's, it's all what online. Conspiracy. I've now got a recording of whatever's going to happen. Uh, so, yeah. But it's <laughs> an interesting... Milestones are interesting, aren't they? Because there'd be lots of people out there listening to this who would, who would maybe be runners and they're used to working towards something like a marathon. Like that would just not... They wouldn't blink not recognizing that's a performance yeah like a marathon is you in the public sphere doing your thing in front of a whole lot of people but i would say so in my world even worse because most of them are going to be fitter than you <laughs> like you're standing next to all these people that are going to make you like so it's a performance you know so so I'd, I'd encourage you know the audience to think about that to think about this as just another milestone you're literally just working up to something 
that like you say, nudges you. It just pushes you that bit further, makes you think about progress in each class. Gee, I need to get this right because I know in a couple of months I'm going to have to perform it in front of people. So I think, you know, that drive as terrifying as the hour or what it, it literally will only be that long, probably not even. <laughs> Um, sometimes when you, like a few minutes, feels like um, an eternity. But. It really does. It really does. And so to work towards that is, is so powerful. And you know what? It's a great achievement too. It is. You know, At the end of the day, uh, um, no matter how, you know, how you judge yourself at the end, um, you can still at least be proud and say, okay, I'll chalk that up to an achievement. You know, I, wanted to do that I didn't think I could do that pulled it off you know yes it'll be it could be better it could be a lot better but there's next time but yeah I guess I think um I definitely think that's one of the things when and that's maybe that's the whole point of the podcast as well about chasing dreams is that I think we all do seek some sort of sense of significance and sense of achievement and um and, you know, we'll all find it in different ways. Um, yeah. So for me, whether it's, you know, the business, um, with flamenco, there's all these little things that, you know, highlight, you know, some sort of um, personal personal achievement. Um, Absolutely. And the tr- what's interesting about those that is that there's not actually a great deal of barrier to you starting. That's And that's part of the message of interviewing people, wonderful people like yourself, is you just start. Like, yeah. You know, you don't need $50,000 and a year off. Like it's not <laughs> these things, the little things you can just yeah. start and the richness it can bring you once you do um, is immeasurable, you know, and it can, it truly can impact the future in some way. It can, it can introduce you to, to friends that become, you know, inseparable from you. It can yeah. it could introduce you to a partner. Like you just don't know, you know, and so, so it's part of that just living a bit bigger, isn't it? That's just going yeah. I'm going to step up and do it. And, and just as an aside, I'd say to anybody out there who potentially, I know lots of people struggle to speak in public. It's something that, that I know um, just puts the fear into lots of people. Yeah. I would argue if you could get through something like flamenco and then do a student performance, there is no way you'll be uncomfortable with speaking again. <laughs> it will improve that because when you're doing a physical performance like that, the downside is flat on your face in front of everybody. <laughs> Right, that's a possibility. Yep. I have literally done that. Um, yep. So I've broken my nose on stage. I've broken oh my, my fingers on stage. Right, so, so it gives you perspective. You're like, well, getting up and having to do a presentation at work or in front of 50 people, it isn't such a big deal. Like there's not actual injury involved in this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think it gives you perspective. And so it can potentially, if there's something like this you love that maybe has a little performance element to it, I would argue it could be a great way to get over that fear. Um, and draw draw yourself out a little um, because that fear of presenting is another thing we've created in our head. Yeah, all in yeah. our head. It's valid, but it's yes, of course. Um, and sometimes these things can help. Oh my gosh, hugely, yeah, hugely. And again, that, that it's not just chalking up certificate. When we talk about like achievement, like what does that really mean? At the end of the day, it, it is a way of instilling confidence in, in all your other areas in life. Like if you're not going to put yourself out there, you really don't know what you're capable of. Um, and so the more you sit there comfortably avoiding things, um, you know, is really limiting. And you know, you are missing out on on just that that chance to. To, like you said, enrich all these other areas 
um, of your life. Definitely. Oh, well, oh, I really, I'm going to have to go away right now. <laughs> In fact, what I'll do is I'll, I'll um, get you to email me some of the links to some of the classes you might've been to, if you don't mind. Mm -hmm. um, maybe even digging out some of them from New York and other places and a few other things. Cause I know sometimes that's enough, like just to, given that information and, and folks will share those in the show notes. Um, before we sort of wrap it up, I'd love to challenge you with back when you were six or seven and you were talking about what you were going to be when you grow up or somebody you'd love to turn into. Was there something you really wanted to do when you were little? Um, oh, that's so interesting. But what's kind of funny to everyone that knows me is that when I was a teenager, I did want to be a police officer. So that's very strange to people that know me now. So that's the earliest thing that I can remember before I changed my mind very quickly uh, and then wanted to be an interpreter for the UN. Uh, and, and yeah, but police officer was, I think, the first um, thing that I wanted to be. Isn't that interesting? Do you remember what, what the appeal was? Um, it's very embarrassing. It's TV. I was, and this is going to age me, watching Twin Peaks at the time. Do you remember that show? Yes. Um, and I was obsessed with the character, the FBI character, Carl McLaughlin's character. And I thought, oh, I want to be a federal agent and I want to be a police officer. Cool. Well, and that, it's a bit more than that, right? That's a cool police officer. Like, it's not just... Right. Yeah. Yeah, he exactly. was pretty cool. And realising, okay, we don't have the FBI here in Australia. There's another version of that. And then it's like, okay, let's take it down a notch. Let's just be a local police officer. So I don't know if you know, it might be different state to state, but um, we get to do uh, work experience when you're in year 10. So it's yeah. 16. Um, so it was around that time that I had that interest. And so I did get to go... Uh, do work experience at a police station and it was very comprehensive they really took us on um, like a lot of aspects of of police training and so really within a few days I changed my mind very very quickly <laughs> <laughs> but what a great way to test it you know what just oh, yeah. go in and experience it and one more question okay. uh, and we've had some cracking answers to this um, okay. so <laughs> is there something that you've secretly always wanted to do see experience or learn but you just might not have allowed yourself to formulate or allowed yourself to share or or just that big thing that feels a bit far out of reach right now it's not that thing you're like no oh, next year we're going to go and do this is there something that that you'd really love to do if you were being if you could wave a magic wand oh wow i fell on the spot i'm not really getting <laughs> on my feet with this one I think uh, we were talking about design before this. You yeah. mentioned you've been at the Design Museum in Copenhagen. I think I've always had an interest in, um, say, design, architecture. Ooh, really? Yeah. So I always mm. think in a past life, if I could do it all again, maybe have a crack at some sort of... Uh, One design. of those skills. So, so either skills, design yeah. or architecture or something like that. Yeah. yeah. And it, yeah. does that sort of show up in what you like to do, say, with the business? Is that, Do you always have a leaning towards those things? Do you, do you get excited about branding or anything like that? Is that yeah, I do. I definitely <laughs> think. And I think that plays into also like flamenco in terms of, you know, just the aesthetic appreciation, the creativity, um, yeah. always having a desire for, you know, seeing just the beauty in things and seeing, you know, um, yeah, the most sort of beautiful expression of something. So I definitely do um, take pride in, you know, when now, you know, designs of our, our app, our software, um, 
you know, that I, I really get, get a kick out of, uh, out of that. Oh, well, who knows? You never know where life will lead you. What's wonderful about being an entrepreneur is you can be, end up being injected into a world you never thought you would. And who's hey, that happened. Right? <laughs> I'm a teacher and now running a software company. What? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, who, who's to know? right? Um, I think it's wonderful how flexible we can be in life these days. It's so cool. And your, your world that you've built this is so, you know, a, a, an IT business or a software business, um, the podcast, all these things to me show how far our enjoyment and our reach can go. You know, it's, um, it's got to have given you guys a lot of opportunities you never would have expected. A hundred percent. Yeah. And, 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 and I think what you said before, just start, um, yeah. you know, like, and if you're not enjoying, and then the other, the flip side of that is if you're not enjoying something, just stop. Yes. Um, and, and really that's, it, it might sound like, Oh, okay. That seems a bit flippant or just a bit shallow, but you know, I think again, I wasn't enjoying my career in teaching as much as I should have and would have liked it. So I think if I had stopped earlier, um, you know, that could have maybe brought me somewhere else, but yeah, you know, without, you know, I don't have any regrets at all. What you've gotten onto there is the difference between something being hard and you not enjoying it. Those are two different. And exactly. as you said, a number of times that Flamenco you found really hard at points where it's just, Oh, this feels insurmountable, yeah. but I'd imagine you were still enjoying it at its heart. Right. You know, so the you thing enjoyed you enjoyed, but right now this feels like a battle, you know, that's okay. But if, if you're just not enjoying it, like, yeah. there's no joy. And of course the word enjoy just means literally there's no joy in it for you. Right. Then I agree. You know, I think, you know, we don't make those decisions fast enough. Mm. Um, that we so should just try things out, particularly the, the, a hobby. How easy is that to try out? You know, exactly. there's so many ways to do that these days. How many like introductory um, offers are there for anything? I mean, I just think Correct. it's just brilliant, you know, so you can really have a crack at so many things and just find that thing you enjoy. Cause it really, yeah, I can't imagine what my life would be like if I didn't have that dimension of flamenco. To yeah. It. And, and that's, that's the, um, that's the key. It yeah. feels like you're more than you were. Yeah. And that's, that's so. I hope so. <laughs> I'm <even> better than. <laughs> and like better awesome. yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, and now let me share. You can find Nicole on Instagram and Twitter and all sorts of other places, I'm sure. But um, at Nicole Baldinu, um, Nicole underscore Baldinu on both of those. We will share those in the show notes, though. And I did want to give a heads up for any of you maybe who are beginner podcast listeners or maybe not into the whole entrepreneurial podcasting world. Um, yeah, Nicole is the producer of the $100 MBA show. And these guys sort of really hit some goals with this show. Was it 2014 when you got the super duper most awesome show ever? Yes. We won, um, thank you. <laughs> yeah. We won best of iTunes in 2014, which is right. five months after we, we launched the show. So very right. proud moment. Um, yeah. And it's, it's a big deal. That's sort of not a token award. This is not the, you know, under five year olds. Uh, <laughs> participation award style of thing. Student um, show. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So it's, uh, I'd really encourage you to check it out. Um, oh, you. you know, Nicole and Omar have really built something quite interesting uh, and you don't need to be an entrepreneur to listen to that. This is just about stretching the mind a little. 
Um, and I think also it's about learning without thinking you need to be an academic. And I think that's an interesting difference um, about just learning through experience and listening and, and reading all sorts of things. So, and I mean, you, you know, because you have so much time, then you also co-founded Webinar Ninja. So, you know. <laughs> Tons of free time. Exactly. So, exactly. <laughs> uh, so I'd encourage you to, to check those, both of those out, guys. It's, um, they've really done some interesting stuff. And uh, what's quite interesting about us having this conversation is I think lots of people would see, well, do see Omar as a face of that show. But to me, um, you and I both resonated on a different level. And maybe it's the flamenco thing. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we were drawn by, by our joint interest that we didn't even know at that point. Um, so thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. I'm hoping, you know, everybody got a sense of taking maybe that leap into something they'd love to learn. Oh, thank you, Peter. I had such a great time. Of course, you know, thank you for indulging the, the topic of flamenco. It's, you know, as I said, it's, it's a pleasure to talk about it. But I love your concept of this show. And, you know, I'm so excited for you for actually launching the show. And I think so many people can uh, benefit from it. And I just, yeah, I'm really proud of, to see, you know, after ha met, having met you at, at We Are Podcast, actually see you doing this. Uh, I thought the, the whole concept of the show was brilliant. So congratulations there. Thank you. Oh, that's really sweet. Well, and if you come across anybody doing anything really unusual and cool, please send them my way. I'll, I have to admit that I'm getting inundated. It's um, There's so many interesting things people are doing. You know, That's so great. Yeah, I think we're going to have a never-ending list, to be honest. And even if it's just interesting to me, I figure that's a good start, right? <laughs> definitely. Definitely a good start. You're enjoying it. That's I nice am, exactly. Well, thank you so much. Oh, wow. Who would have thought that a conversation about flamenco dancing could reach into so many aspects of the way we live our lives? Something that it had me pondering is how we use masters of a craft as our benchmarks for that craft. What I mean is that say we're interested in surfing, right? And, you know, we don't actually look to a fellow casual surfer and hope to reach their level. We instead end up looking at somebody like Kelly, Kelly Slater, multiple world champion, and use them as the benchmark. And while I think true masters like Kelly should absolutely be our inspiration, I'm just not so sure that we should let them be our benchmark for success, you know, because when it comes to our hobbies, Success is about enjoying something. And there are loads of people enjoying the living daylights out of flamenco, out of surfing, out of all sorts of pursuits that aren't masters of their craft. So, you know what I say, let's just cut ourselves some slack, eh? <laughs> um, now, if Nicole's adventure inspired you particularly, then head over to the show notes where we will include the links to their podcast, their software company, and all sorts of other things that we mentioned throughout the interview, along with all of her appropriate socials. So you can follow along with her varied adventures into the future. And if you enjoyed the, the interview and want to know about new ones as they go live, then be sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite platform. Up next in our action tip segment, the wonderful Hayley Pierce and I will chat about how our own insecurities can get in the way of experiencing new things and how we can push past that to really head outside our comfort zone. So lovely Hayley, I was just chatting to Nicole mm -hmm. and she learned flamenco. Now that is something that I've, oh, yeah. 
I know. <laughs> it's something I've always wanted to do, and I did tap dancing, so in fact, flamenco is not such a stretch. But something that came out of it that I thought was interesting as adults is how we're really bad at being bad at things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so as an adult, I think we've sort of often mentally got past the point where we can be a beginner. Yeah. And unfortunately, that means we miss out a lot. Um, because of the fear of looking like an idiot, I guess. Fear is such a big part of it. Right. It's like we work so hard to be seen as an adult that I think even people, once you're older, you're constantly questioning, am I an adult yet? Right. If I got it down pat. And <laughs> like, adult it, like, just because you actually are an adult doesn't mean you stop learning. Right. You're, you're always at a stage of this is the first time I've ever done that thing. Um, everyone's at, been at that stage at some point in their life and it's I think it's owning that whole process right. that you don't just start being a pro. No, and anything. Michael Jordan wasn't born and a basketballer, the best ever. Right? It just didn't happen. He wasn't born. And they went, oh, well, look at you. You're going to be an MVP. Exactly. Exactly. Everybody started as a beginner. And it's interesting. I personally am bad at this. And I had a friend call me out on it because um, we were using that expression where you say, oh, it felt like the first day of school. You know, so yeah. you're walking into something new. Maybe. Right. And it felt like the first day of school. And she turned to me and she said, but Peter, I seem to remember you loving the first day of school. Mm. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> like in my head, I'd created this story about new things being scary. Right. And actually, historically, as a child, they probably weren't that scary. And to I, me. when you're a kid, you've got no inhibitions. You don't know fear yet. So everything, your bright eyed, bushy tail, right. walking into it with excitement. Yeah. Um, but as life treads on you a bit, as you get older, then you learn fear and yeah. you learn to inhibit parts of um, yourself and, and what you're having a go at. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of power in people putting their hand up and going, I've never done this before. Um, I'm not that great at it. Right. And the, the shame about it is, and this is something Nicole pointed out, is when we do this, we miss out on the joy of the thing. Yeah. And there's a lot of that. There's a lot of things that people go, mm, but I won't know what's happening or I, or I won't be able to enjoy it. Oh, sorry. I won't be able to relax enough in it because I'll be, I'll be fearful. Yeah. So they don't do it. You know, what a shame. And people are afraid of looking silly. And I get that. I, I recall uh, for a hen's party, we went to a dance class. And it was like <laughs> hip hop or something totally out of my comfort zone. Yep. Half the, the ladies there were more focused on how they looked whilst they were dancing, whilst the other half were, I don't care how I look, this is just hilariously fun. And when we look back at photos and things, you can see the difference between the two experiences. Yeah. Just removing that fear and going, I've never danced like this before. I know I'm going to be not great at it. But I also could be absolutely amazing and to have discovered a, an untapped skill. Right. And it's just totally embracing that process, throwing yourself in. It's the reveling, like yeah. just marinating how ridiculous this is. Yeah. And I think ridiculousness is actually really invigorating. Yeah. Well, I reckon we underrate that. It's why, you know, lots of us enjoy comedy, enjoy all that sort of stuff is because there is joy in the ridiculous. And yeah. sometimes going to a <laughs> hip hop party, <laughs> for example, that's just going to be ridiculous. Yeah. Like it, but how cool is that? Yeah. And I, like, I think often about um, when I look at people, you know, and, and either envy or maybe even judge and look at, mm, I've never judged somebody who's just clearly loving what they do. Yeah. I have ne even if they're hideous at it, yeah. I'm like, you go girl like that is awesome i've never judged that person and that that feeling is infectious it is it spreads like wildfire and it also attracts other people that then it's their first time doing something else yeah. and 
then as you progress through whatever you're learning, you can go and help that person that was you on that first day that had no clue. Correct. And that is such a gorgeous cycle of experience. It is. That isn't in a notebook, that isn't on a podcast or anything like that. It is just human to human. And it's funny, by doing these things that we're drawn to, but are maybe fearful of because you're a beginner. What's interesting is I guarantee everybody's going to just find something that actually really gels with them. Yeah. And they'll go, Oh, hold on. <laughs> I really love this. I'm actually not bad at it. Why wasn't I doing this 20 years ago? I, there's so many stories of that. And it's not that they become the best of, yeah. but they really enjoy this thing. You know, whether it's a musical instrument they took up much later in life or dance classes, whatever it is, a language, you know, so, so putting it off, due to our fear is crazy, you know, own the beginnerness. Absolutely. And from both sides, so owning, owning being the newbie at something you're really good at by mistake or that, you know, that you're definitely not crash or help. Like it's, you, you had a go, it wasn't that good and you're just going to leave it there. Yeah. And but having done that, you now know. Yeah. So that experience, it's, it's so amazing to be able to share with people. Yeah. Because you can say, look, that was my experience when I had a go at it. You might have a different experience. <laughs> that was my goal. Well, and I think, and if you if you are uncertain, it's like, what am I going to say to people? I'm going to be a beginner. Then tell them you're just curious. Yeah, I am curious. I've always been curious about this thing, whatever that is. I've always been curious about riding a motorcycle or like the, whatever it is that's drawn you, and own that. Just own the curiosity because everybody gets that. Yeah. Everybody has something that they wish they had the cojones to go and try. Absolutely. So I think if you can just lean into the fact that everybody was a beginner once, nobody is born an expert and sort of really revel in that joy and that fun, then I think there should be no barriers to any attempts for something. And we'd love to hear if you therefore try yeah. something that's been on your list and see how you go good or hysterical, whatever the outcome might be. I'm hoping our chats so far have got you all revved up, ready to head out and start living life like an action hero. If that's the case, I'd encourage you to head over to the Adventure Club Room, which is our private Facebook group and is basically a support group for action heroes in training just like you. The link to the group is in the show notes or simply search for Adventure Club Room while you're in Facebook. Next up is our Popcorn Adventures segment, where we take a bit of a pivot from our everyday action heroes like Nicole and look to fictional action heroes in movies to see if they inspire any dreams we may have forgotten to add to our list. And we debate whether they in fact measure up as action heroes at all. Our movie today is an action movie classic with one of the most iconic action hero actors of all time. So let's see if he stacks up, shall we? The movie I'm referring to is True Lies. How'd it go at the convention, honey? You were the big hit of the show. It's fantastic. It's, I love the computer business. For 15 years, Harry Tasker's been leading a double life. Mr. President, one of our best men is inside. Transmitting now. Right on time. I don't believe I've met you before. Rehnquist. Harry Rehnquist. Listen to the following code word. Helen, H-E-L-E-N. Now, they're about to collide. What's your exit strategy? I'm gonna walk right out of the front gate. May I see your invitation, please? Sure, here's my invitation. Yeah, that worked good. Right out the old front gate. Can you lean back a second? Was the Tasker's office? 
quiet, Helen. Is he in? Harry's in a sales meeting, Mrs. Tasker. It's not like he's saving the world or anything. Leslie, this is the problem with terrorists. They're really inconsiderate when it comes to people's schedules. Well, that was the uh, trailer for True Lies. Now, this was released back in 1994. Which... I was four. <laughs> <laughs> ah, you took the words right out of my mouth and makes me feel old. <laughs> Interestingly, though, directed by James Cameron. So that's Avatar fame. And that, that man has been making movies for an awfully long time and he does them very well. Um, now... It has a 70% on Rotten Tomatoes. And I think from last week's episode, this is a really interesting counterpoint, one to the other, of an action hero movie set in the 90s versus set in the 2010s, I guess. Um, Absolutely. 2020s. So it's really interesting. So let me cover up uh, for those of you who may not have seen it, which is fair enough, um, the IMDb description for True Lies starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. A fearless, globe-trotting, terrorist-battling secret agent has his life turned upside down when he discovers his wife might be having an affair with a used car salesman while terrorists smuggle nuclear warheads into the United States. <laughs> Even the description actually captures how somewhat ludicrous this movie is. Absolutely. I think it's, it's highlighted how many double plot lines there are. But it also kind of highlights the fact that this movie when I was watching it, I was like, is this an action? There's a bit of drama, a bit of comedy and some sly romance. It, it constantly juggled all the genres and I, I loved it. It was a bit of everything. It, it is. And I think it's so easy um, to expect what we expect now out of an action movie. And I think what this captures was the goofiness that action heroes or action movies used to have. And I think there's nothing wrong with a bit of goofy, you know, like oh, yeah. I think that's actually a bit of fun. And I love though, any of the computer scenes, um, you know, with these blocky machines and it's, and it's, it's clearly sort of almost pre-internet sort of stage. Like yeah. it's just fantastic how dorky they had discs, you know, and they're downloading onto a disc, you know. It's, it's funny. I, I was looking at how, you know, I, I watched it on a DVD player um, and it just had this level of, this layer of grit across the screen, like that old timey <laughs> filming. But no doubt when that movie first came out, that was top quality filming. And, you know, the stunt doubles, you wouldn't have picked them, whereas... I feel like half of this movie, Arnold Schwarzenegger was not even in it because it just had random stunt doubles. <laughs> and you could, and that was interesting too, I agree. You could actually, you could see the difference. Yeah. And I guess that's partly because our TVs are much better now is yeah. you are seeing, hold on, that's not Arnie. Yeah. Like, and even, and it stood out to me actually also that he can't run. Like as a person, <laughs> anytime they hit exactly, he was running. It's like, oh, dude, stop. That's bad. <laughs> that was something so, I loved in this movie, the epic chase scenes. Like tell me another movie where there's a, a, a horse chase with a motorcycle and a horse. Yes, and a lift. <laughs> <laughs> Cross level. Like that's just a whole. Oh, and did you notice how many times <laughs> throughout the whole movie, we should check this, how many times he says sorry? Yeah. So he just like crushes through a restaurant. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> it's got to be up there. It was, I just started to notice a few times. Like, oh my gosh, Arnie. 
So funny. And it was interesting. Like the cast of this is really interesting. So um, there's an actress, uh, Eliza, uh, Eliza, Dush- well, I can't remember her surname, but she was the daughter in it. She yes. turned out to be one of um, the vampire slayers in Buffy. I don't know whether you recognize hey, nice. that, but That's she cool. was the second um, of that. Bill Paxton, who was the yes. sleazy, like actually the cast was really interesting, at, yeah. let alone... I think MVP is Jamie Lee Curtis. I think she is awesome. She does have a pretty ripper monologue towards the end of the film that when it's all sort of piecing together, the second plot twist is really coming out. Yeah. Um, it was, I think she is yeah, absolutely amazing actress. She is. And she's got, and I think a lot of people wouldn't know this about her, but she well, certainly um, if you didn't grow up in that area, she's got wonderful comedic timing. She's actually yeah. a very funny person. And so I saw that in the scene in the hotel when she's sort of gone, gone in and, you know, she's yeah. got to do her, her dance. Like you can't do that without having great comedic timing because yeah. you mess it up. And she was just fantastic. The- I really enjoyed seeing her again. There was a, an element to the movie that I don't think was meant to have comedic timing um but it absolutely did the facial expressions for arnie in this film were <laughs> just at a level that i've never seen before the there was a scene where he's in the car with bill paxton um and he's sort of pretending he's gonna buy this car and whatnot and he's just it's it's where he sort of uncovered the fact that look you're you're trying to sleep with my wife um and he knows what's going on and he the guy's talking about this car blah 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 Arnie's not even listening. He's just side-eyeing Bill Paxton like... <laughs> Death stare. Just daggers, just <laughs> daggers. And then there's this dream sequence where he just literally punches him out cold yeah. to the point where he's dead. <laughs> so extra. But throughout the whole movie, I just loved the epic facials from, from Arnie. It would just absolutely made it. It does. And are you... You sort of forget that, in fact, the whole, like, the accent and the awkward way he talks and even sort of the awkward way he acts, to be fair. Yeah. Actually, they used to double down on that. They used to just really sort of let him own that and it would enhance the film. And I think it did. You know, it's it's his inability to interact with people on a way added to this and explained why his wife was doing what she was doing, like all that sort of stuff. It, it, was, it was perfect for this. Um, so in terms of... The, well, sorry, now, before we move on and Jamie Lee Curtis, she delivers a line that I didn't pick up the earlier times that I've seen this movie and it was right. under her breath. So they're in the middle of one of the big action scenes. She's found out who he is. And as they're walking away under her breath, she goes, I married Rambo. And <laughs> I'm just oh, yeah. like, ah! <laughs> meta, meta. <laughs> so epic. We do all that stuff now, aren't we? We reference other things and we've got cultural reference. But I thought that was broke the fourth wall. (laughs) You really did. So was was there anything in the movie that you sort of went, ooh, now I want to add that to my list. That's something that I want to get to. A couple of loose things. Um, I've never been in a helicopter. So there was a helicopter scene in there. I thought that would be kind of cool. I think there's so many pieces from this film that you're like, I could do that. I could do that. But if I'm actually to put something on my dream list, definitely a helicopter. Um, I love the whole spy element. Um, So (laughs) I'd love to go and see... Um, like the 007 Museum or um, those sorts of things, those sorts of, um, I guess, homages to the the era where the spy was just heralded as this hero. Yeah. Um, And there was a definite style of what a spy was. So 
it Being actually able to go place to discover that would be awesome. And I think so. So that very thing in um, London, my um, Mr. D and I were there right at the beginning of the year, and they actually have these things where they create a whole movie not the set but the actual world yeah and one of them was casino royale and you are a character in that world and it goes over multiple buildings and multiple places and you participate in this this experience and this journey and story and so you get to be in the movie and be a spy or be a baddie or be a which i think sounds really cool it's a whole evening you get dressed up Uh, i guess it's a bit like how to host a murder thing you know remember we used to do those years ago but this is the movie and it's some sort of um something like a spy movie or something like that you would love to give that a go love it the other one it added for me, and it was the reason actually that I selected it to go with the wonderful um, adventure that Nicole had, which was, uh, she, you know, she learned flamenco. Flamenco has yep. been on my list, but also the tango yes. has been on mine. And yes. then doing the tango, I love as much oh, as he is to, quite awkward too. <laughs> I need to add that to my list. I would love to do something like that. Yeah, exactly. I um, I just think it's fabulous. I mean, I think both of the ladies do a very credible effort of making Arnie look okay at the tango. Uh, I'd love to see the behind the scenes of that. Yes. (laughs) How many takes, how many, like particularly as they're sort of talking as they're doing it. No, I just think it was fabulous. So yeah, I'd probably add that to my list. Now, in terms of action hero assessment, you know, I mean, we're trying to assess him more than just, hey, how, you know, the action scenes in the movie. This is about how he attacks adventure and his ability to plan, um, his ability, you know, his abilities with money and things like that. I have to say, when I started thinking through the skills we look for, Arnie in this movie, Harry Tasker wasn't getting it done. No way. I mean, the biggest flag for me was the whole concept of the movie, that he's balancing being a spy and uh, trying to be a good husband. And um, when it comes to money, you can't balance two different lives. That often gets people completely unstuck. Living this one life, um, making out like it's perfectly fine whilst the credit card racks up or you can't afford to pay for groceries because you've bought a dress or something else. Um, That's just... And it's common. Everyone gets, a lot of people get themselves stuck in a situation like that. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to being a finance action hero, that you just can't have that sort of quality. It's something that you've got to overcome. Correct. And I think the one that, the other one that stood out for me is that he was completely reactive. Yeah. So everything in his life reacted to a situation that was put in front of him. And that made, I mean, you know, maybe we're being a bit unfair to Harry because that was sort of his role, but in life, you know, when you do that, you may have the ability to react and cope and all that sort of thing, but you're never going to make leaps and bounds just like he doesn't like, he just keeps on just surviving. Like, and, and, and not making, a measure of anything. making drastic decisions off misinformation. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. And that's something we can do too, can't we? When we're approaching life and and responding to the environment around us, we can just overreact to stuff. Absolutely. Instead of getting the information, making an informed decision and then leaping into an adventure. And I'm a big believer in leaping. So I'm not saying we need to be conservative, but 24-7 reaction, bad news. And definitely a level of communication as well. I'm sure a sit-down, peaceful conversation could have avoided a lot of deaths, destructive vehicles, buildings, (laughs) injured animals. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. I completely agree. So I have to admit, on the scale out of 10, as a finance action hero, I'm giving Harry a three. 
Oh, I really, that, I was harsh. That's kind of you. I was going to say one. <laughs> I know it looks fun and whatnot, but just leading the double life is just, that is surefire way to go downhill. You can be prepared as you like, but having two two faces when it comes to money is yeah, yikes. Never going to do you any favours. So <laughs> I think what we'd say is that this is a fun movie if you've not seen it. Um, if you're a spring chicken like Hayley here and maybe missed it when it came out of the movies, it's absolutely a fun watch. But please don't use this as a measure of how to attack life. Um, we really would love you to be just a little more proactive. Absolutely. But I have to say, if you want to get a hold of the movie, I know we struggled to be able to find a copy. We did. I was delving further into why that is the case. Um, so James Cameron, it's sitting on his desk waiting for the okay for him, for it to be published onto Blu-ray and streaming services. No. <laughs> so pretty much the only way you can buy this movie is on DVD. And I don't know if it's the remastered one that we watched, um, or if you have Cinemax, oh my by goodness. Amazon. So Jimbo, that, Jimbo, Jimbo, Cameron. <laughs> I mean, I get he's probably busy as he's made a couple he's got of big Avatar, films. <laughs> Avatar two to seven coming up. So you know. but the, it it is a great popcorn yeah, kind is. of movie that covers everything. It so is. yeah, if that, if you want to get your hands on it, watch it. It's not on Netflix. Or anything else, you have really? to go old school and DVD it. It's so DVD. I'd check out your library DVDs. It's the sort yes, of thing that might call. be there, and it's the sort of thing that might be in the bargain bin um, yes. at your local store. It's a, yeah, and you'll probably pick it up for not very much at all. So yes, <laughs> definitely see it, but please don't emulate it. We uh, think we can find you a much better financing hero. Loved this episode of the In Search of Adventure show? Then make sure you subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. We love all feedback, particularly when an episode really resonates with you. So please don't be shy. And we'd love to hear about what's up next for you because there's an adventure story out there simply waiting for its action hero to step up. And I'm pretty sure that action hero is you. <laughs>